0: Welcome to CounterPoint, the Counter Narrative Project's podcast. I am your host, Johnny Ray Cornegay III. This show amplifies the voices of Black gay men through conversations with thought leaders, creatives, and activists. You can catch us online at thecounternarrative.org or on Twitter at Building Desire. Today's show is a conversation between the Counter Narrative Project founder and executive director Charles Stevens, as well as journalist Frederick McKendra. Mr. McKendra wrote a piece for BuzzFeed called Does Desiring White Guys Make Me a Traitor to My Race? Mr. Stevens and Mr. McKendra have an in-depth conversation about the piece, as well as the influences behind the work. Please note that this conversation will contain adult themes and language that may not be suitable for children. Enjoy the show.
1: We're joined by uh, Frederick McKendra, who's a writer for BuzzFeed, as well as um, some other pubs. I've been following your work uh, pretty much since we met at the Lambda Literary Retreat. Just a little background. Yeah. Um, you know, we first, uh, I think, connected at the retreat. You were in the fiction workshop, and I was in the I was in the fiction
2: workshop, workshop. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was.
1: And I, you know, really, you know, was intrigued by your work and your ideas. And then, um, you know, I started reading more of your writings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you wrote this piece, Does Desiring White Guys Make Me a Traitor to My Race?, and I was just wondering if you could talk a bit about um, what inspired you to write the piece and what some of the reactions have been around the piece.
2: Sure. sure. Um, um, well, so what's really the, a little backstory on the um, essay, um, the essay sort of grew out of a couple of different essay ideas that I pitched uh, to BuzzFeed Reader um, and my editor, one of my editors there, Say Jones, is really, really brilliant and super insightful, well, just turned to me one day in a pitch meeting and was like, girl, why don't you just write the essay that you really want to write, <laughs> which, which turned out to be the sort of first-person um, meditation on um, desiring whiteness and sort of my history with uh, just thinking about whiteness, thinking about white guys, particularly straight white guys, um, I have been working on a novel for about six years now, but I am a fiction writer, uh, first, uh, for about six or seven years, uh, um, wanting to explore similar things. And so, uh, this essay really gave me the opportunity to, um, combed through a lot of the sort of exposition and thoughts that I had in that fictional project and um, addressed them uh, from the first from the i guess claim them uh within my own first person uh voice which was 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 interesting and, and frightening um, but was um, ultimately. For me uh, I felt really sort of liberating and rewarding i have I have spent a lot of time I, what the article i think sort of presents is that i have i i grew up in a in a pretty black uh community mm-hmm. um i uh grew up in little rock arkansas uh, my my community was you know sort of working lower middle middle class uh black folk uh in little rock and um from there um um, went to Howard University in Washington, D.C., also a pretty black faith And um, so I, I, I was very curious about uh, sort of presenting the reading public with this idea of a person who develops this sort of snow what, what we in the community call a Snow Queen sensibility, uh, but that person not necessarily having been having having been someone who exclusively was uh, trafficking in white circles you know I think one of the things that uh, I'm very interested in about this sort of narrative is that uh, this desire can sort of find you uh, in places where whiteness isn't really even present and so um, that was one of the things that I was I was curious in exploring uh, in the essay and I also was curious and think, thinking about um the ways in which um my sort of thoughts about race and sexuality had informed um just my my ideas about sexuality in general. Um so I those those were sort of the dual aims of the essay. Also to just sort of like work through some some personal stuff. Yeah, some definitely personal material that, right? um <laughs> I think that a lot of my, my relationship with uh, the larger black community is informed by my relationship to my immediate family. Um, so I've had some, some interesting conversations, not all of which have been very tame, <laughs> with uh, my older sister, and, and my uh, I have an older brother as well, and my father, and my mom too, uh, all of whom sort of appear in some of the work. So uh, just try to work through those sort of um, backgrounds. What has
1: some of the reaction been to the piece, particularly from, from black folks yeah, you, and black women? Yeah, that's the second part of that mm-hmm.
2: question. Um, what I think, so I mentioned being terrified mm-hmm. about um, putting um, this material out there, but one of the things that I was really interested in doing is sort of speaking back to what had begun to seem like a a sort of cache of of essays. Uh, that were exploring similar things. And so I'd seen the reaction to those pieces, um, some, you know, some people championing the work, other people sort of detracting from the work or detracting from the perspective of the writer. And so I was, I was really nervous to sort of put my own material out there and was hardly surprised um, at how uh, generous the response was uh, to the piece. Um, there were uh, people, uh, particularly black writers, uh, um, who reached out and you know said that the, the piece, uh, even if it, it, it did not represent their own experience or necessarily even represent their own position on a piece, um, that they they appreciated the um, the the erudition I guess and the, the sort of scholarship that went into. Um, um, the, the endeavor. And I think beyond that, um, I was really just happy to hear, um, those asides on Facebook or Twitter where folks were like, you know, this allows me to think about this in a a new way. Um, but this allows, this allows this sort of conversation to be framed in a way that I haven't necessarily, um, um, Uh, Encountered before. So I I was really heartened by uh, those responses. Of course, you know, there were some folks who, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, responded, um, you know, by sort of like clicking out, uh, you know, clickbait. So they sort of click in and click out of the essay without sort of really like digesting the work. And that's completely understandable. And, um, what were some other responses? Were, I mean, one of the one of the responses that I was really interested in, and sort of, you know, through the essay back to me in an interesting way, was a friend of mine um, told me that um, a female friend of his, who is a mom of a teenage uh, son who recently came out, um, had uh, recently had a conversation with her about feeling guilt over. Um, not uh, being able to return the affections of of, uh, of a, a, a black classmate of his, but feeling his desire sort of directed toward other white classmates, and so um, she told my friend that, that she was going to share this essay with that young person. Uh, and being a, being an educator myself, I, I you know those kinds of moments are really sort of like red letter moments for me, and they really sort of like draw my attention because um you're sort of confronted with the idea that this this you know this this language these words are going to have some life beyond just you uh physically but also temporally you know somebody younger you know this these ideas are are maybe going to be encountered by folks beyond your sort of present moment
1: well one of the things that i appreciated about the piece is mm-hmm. you you talked about desire Mm -hmm. In a way and located it within history and politics and the social Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and outside of, you know, just mere self-loathing or, you know, I just like what I like and that's all. So I'm always really interested in being able to explore desire in the context of of, of, Mm -hmm. politics and history. Um, And at the same time, you know, and I I often think that the work, part of my work and part of the work that I'm most interested in is work that allows us to explore desire, particularly transgressive desire and sexuality outside of some kind of pathological lens. Um, Like, like what does it mean to to be able to talk about desire in a way without trying to say there are some desires that are better or more righteous than other desires? And at the same time, I say this as someone, you know, who... Uh is you know been absolutely influenced by you know joseph beams black men loving black men as revolutionary act and you know is also someone that you know in my own personal life you know uh, have dated and uh hope to partner with black men but um can still appreciate you know the thoughtfulness of your piece even though it disturbed me <laughs> and haunted me and and that's part of why i wanted to talk to you because you know it was it was really well, I, difficult I
2: apologize no 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 don't apologize
1: like i'm also it's important to read things but it's also important to read things that make us uncomfortable and it's important to read things that uh-huh. challenge us um and because i knew you and had met you like i remember my person you know when we first talked about your work i was like oh Go you're forward, so nice though forward. i can't believe you're a snow queen <laughs> oh, one section you talked about gary fisher yeah. And yeah. I was wondering if you could talk a bit about um your reaction to Gary Fisher's work.
2: Okay, yeah, of course. Um so um um I think that that, that that section of the the essay was really important for me because I wanted to sort of show the the sort of I guess the the trajectory of my 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 wrestling with this particular um, idea and the sort of um, ground i covered in a way. Um, I, I mean, I think anybody who's sort of trying to make a critical or essayistic response to a particular point wants their audience to know, like, from, which, from what context do, do these thoughts arise. So it was really important to sort of get those texts on the page. Uh, and so uh, I found Gary Fisher, this, uh, this, this work, uh, I guess, which was sort of a, a curative work uh, of, of selections of his, his, his writing uh, posthumously um, and called Gary in Your Pocket when I was in college. And so I was at Howard, um, it was sort of toward the, the uh, latter, my later years there. And so I had sort of grown more comfortable with uh, sort of exploring my sexuality intellectually uh, if not, sort of like embodying it, and so I read really pretty ravenously, and was was always sort of looking for references to other um, black gay stories, and so I I think that I may have found reference to to Gary in your pocket in like um, that that collection of essays Black Gay Men By
1: or e. Farr. somewhere there was some yeah.
2: reference to it in another text, <laughs> and so I had to go searching for it. Uh, because it wasn't, you know, what, that's not, it's not the kind of tech that you're going to find in Barnes & Noble, unfortunately, or it wasn't the kind you were going to find uh, then at the time. So uh, I ordered it, um, and was really, um, you know, it was one of those rare moments of uh, you, you feeling this, like, uh, feeling like some, some, dark part of yourself as being illumined by, um, by, um, uh, by the work of someone else. And so there was this, this immediate uh, recognition and kinship um, that I felt there was also a sort of regret. Um, at, um, the work seemed so unfinished. Um, I think that one of the interesting things about Gary in Your Pocket is it's such a kaleidoscopic collection that you can understand how it is um, the work of a of an editor desperate to try and find some way of ordering uh, the text or the the thoughts of a of a writer who they don't have the benefit of you know sitting side by side. So there was regret in that.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, just for our listeners, Gary and, Fisher was um, a graduate student at yes. Berkeley, and he and um, Berkeley. Yep. Mm-hmm, was yep. a writer. Um, he was a student of Eve Sedgwick, who was the amazing queer theorist, and. He uh, had this collection of journals and stories and and other writings that uh, she published, I believe, through Duke University Press um, after he passed away, um, I think in the early 90s. And the texts explore pretty candidly, particularly his journals, he sort of recounts his different sexual experiences with Mm -hmm. uh, his partners. Mm -hmm. He was Mm -hmm. into, I guess you could call race, sex, or this very um, eroticization of um, racial difference and so forth. And he talks pretty candidly about it. and yeah, I think we both, so we both read the essay from Robert Reed Farr and yeah, his collection, yeah, Black, yeah, a- yeah, Black yeah. Gay Man. And he actually, criti- you know, talks about the essay. So yeah, I just want to give some context.
2: So, okay. I'm glad to know my references are, are hitting. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I remember us having that early conversation uh, in L.A. about um, about Gary in a pocket. And um, I don't know, like I there was, there was, there was there was excitement, there was regret, there was also some fear, some trepidation. Mm. Gary Fisher I think Gary Fisher in some way is like the the the, the girlfriend of mine who I you know, who I'm um looking at and championing from a a, a distance. Maybe I'm I i do not know if I was I mean I was I was I was living kind of I was out there in, in D C but I don't know if I was necessarily living Gary's life yet. Um and I don't know if I was living his sort of like uh, the the life that you, you see sort of arise from the pig. So there was a bit of a fear. and I was thinking, like, whoa, what is this that I'm actually pursuing? I had not really sort of, like, digested most of my ideas about, like, race difference and uh, these sort of race fantasies. And so it was really... It was a whirlwind of a, of a book for me, of an experience. Do you remember what, uh, what your response to the work was? Like, was it...
1: Oh, I was... I was... I was, like... I should not be reading this. It felt very <laughs> forbidden. <laughs> um, but what I appreciated yeah, about Robert yeah. Reed far is his <laughs> his courage in trying to unpack like, the, and that gave me a sense of the role of the critic. Like, what does it mean to yeah. approach this very transgressive text and it's very fear, almost fearlessly and being able to like yeah. actually have an intellectual response? I think that you know one is, um... but you know, what's also interesting. Have you read um, mm-hmm. Samuel Delaney's The Madman?
2: Uh, oh, yeah. yeah 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 so yeah. I know a lot of black about the I know, same time. I, really yeah. yeah so like yeah. I know a
1: lot of black gay men that are like super pro black <laughs> that have also mm-hmm. read and uh, admire that text which also explores some of the territory around um well there's a lot of things but also so sort of academic text of uh, 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 literature about an academic that also kind of deals with a character that's interested in race sex. So, you know, I always find it interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think your work is kind of um similar in that I know people that have read your read your essay and 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 was appreciative of it, even if they didn't necessarily yeah. um it wasn't their I, thing <laughs> to identify, but they could appreciate the beautiful writing. Well
2: well thank you for that. I mean you're I'm, I was striking for the pen, you know. <laughs> uh, but I certainly love and a tremendous, huge stand for, um, for Sam Delaney's work. And that, I mean, that and probably Mad Men, and you're exactly right to reference Mad Men at the same time. There is something, I think, that I was beginning to shape in my mind as I was reading, um, uh, Gary Fisher and, uh, The Mad Men by Sam Delaney, um, there was an identity that I was beginning to shape. And so I guess in some ways that the person now has become so familiar to me that I've, I've become that person in a way. But, um, I mean, with, with, with some distinctions. But I think... Um,
1: you also talk about Harlem I, hookups, so you put Harlem they're hookups. so familiar
2: that I sort of forget all of those sort of references as they sort of do and combine in my mind, and yeah, you're exactly right. And you also you're put exactly Harlem right.
1: Hookups in this sort of tradition as well as a lot of various diverse cultural references, I must admit, the, the Harlem the Hookups yeah. guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that trying gesture to in the essay is mm-hmm. um, this sort of idea of there being sort of alternative black lineages and alternative black identity, lineages that are alternative from, I think, the black... Um, Uh, identities that are so are so often like presented or constructed uh and if those histories are out there too um and and you can sort of find them you know they they sort of resist um the sort of dignity of 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 some of the other black identities that are are more popularly championed because their dignity isn't the point you know i think abjection is is sometimes more the point, and sometimes that objection is, you know, like overwrought and kind of hideous. But it 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 also is a strategy um, that Black people employ sometimes too.
1: That sounds like you know? Der- that sounds so, like Derek Scott Derek Scott's work on objection. Of course, of yeah. course. Um, okay, yeah. so I have to I have to ask I have to ask I'm this sorry. question. I'm sorry. I have to ask this question. So a lot of people, well, not a lot of people. I imagine there are folks. Uh, People in our community mm-hmm. that may read your essay and yeah. they still might take away. You know what? This is this is well written. This is this is interesting. But I still think yeah. that he hates his blackness and he hates himself. This is a work of okay. anti-blackness. They're just publishing it because you know they like to see black men depicted this way. How would right. you? Yeah, how would you right. get to that? Right.
2: I I mean I definitely I definitely feel as though I feel a wariness about. Um. Um. This perspective being a sort of convenient perspective um, for um, non-black folks to sort of uh, confront or reckon with, and the way in which it then becomes the the black perspective that is, or the narrative, when you know, in, in reference to the the show's uh, title, the narrative that sort of uh, replaces what could be more powerful counter narrative, uh, and so I'm definitely wary of of that um, that um, idea. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm very interested in 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 those Black folks as as readers and as audience members and as fellow thinkers. Um, Sort of, you know, trying to um, uh, work in collaboration with them, you know, or at least, you know, uh, our, wanting our work to be in dialogue with one another. I don't necessarily see this piece as sort of antagonistic to um, to other Black narratives out there. At least, I hope it is not uh, antagonistic to, but I certainly understand how it could be be used in that way. How do you what do you think about about that perspective? Like how do you how do you sort of uh how have you seen that sort of operate within the sort of literary world that you inhabit?
1: Well I think there's always been a conversation, um, yeah. and I would go as far as far back as Joseph Beams in the Life where he published okay. an essay by okay. Reginald Shepherd called On Not Being White, um which I see as being yeah. also a part of that tradition that talks about um racial identity Um, particularly black identity um, and how it engages whiteness in this particular way and you know and of course Sammy Delaney was also in In the Life Um, of course he wasn't Mm -hmm. talking about the madman but nonetheless I think there's you know often been this sort of interesting uh, continuing dialogue again I see the work I see my work is as Mm -hmm. to be someone that should absolutely be able to confront writing and, and, and literary work and all sorts of you know cultural production even if it it makes me uncomfortable even if it doesn't necessarily align with my beliefs and also and i'm i'm not interested in any kind of moral taking a moral position on sexuality i don't think yeah. it's our work to. Yeah. um i don't think that there, there are forms of desire that are more righteous than others i don't think there you know there's not a, a right way um what i also yeah. find interesting about your piece is that it you know, there's, there's a no. And I know I probably, you know, I'm probably going to piss some people off, but, you know, there's a no, notion that no. gay men of color can't objectify dude, white. Dude, no, no. <laughs> that gay men of color... Um, well, I had well, two reactions. One is that there's a notion that gay men of color can't objectify white men. And I'm like, if you look at right. lookups, I mean, you, he... <laughs> I mean, you can object... I, I don't know. I don't necessarily believe that, you know, um, gay yeah. men of color can't objectify white men. Now, I don't know if that's any yeah. kind of political... I don't know if I see it in any kind of political way. I just... I just think that it is what it is. Um yeah. and the second reaction is um, you know, my, you know, perspective is somewhere that people are often assumed to be a snow queen. <laughs> and I'm not, you know. Um, um and so I always <laughs> have like an interesting well, you know, we all can't be. Right. But <laughs> you know, I think that people make assumptions about um about that. But I mean ultimately, you know, I don't think it's our work to judge. Now I do think that it, it we can um, unpack and we can, you know, provide, you know, political historical perspective i think in some way and i'll be honest with you i think in some way there are parts of your piece where you where you you very i I feel like that that some of those arguments are in your head and i think there's a sense of like not wanting to rationalize it but Mm -hmm. um it was it was it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a very um i think the piece could have been more like kind of f you (laughs) (laughs) to people than it was. I felt like you're like, okay, I I, I hear your perspectives. Let me me go ahead and
2: claim that. Like, (laughs) I think that there is, I definitely felt in writing the piece a kind of combativeness. Yes. There were were points in the essay when I felt a kind of fatigue with the sort of imagined uh, antagonist to uh, this perspective. The person who would sort of assume, um, all kinds of things about my commitment or my, uh, my commitment to, uh, you know, my, to the community, to projects of social justice, uh, who would sort of see me as a, um, as a enemy of those projects. And, it, and I think that it's, it's important for me that, I, that the, the piece sort of alike on this sort of ongoing conversation with my sister, the opening mm-hmm. line is a salvo in a way. It's, it's, you know, for those of you all who will confront this piece and immediately think Uncle Tom, yep. you should know my sister has been throwing that at me since I was eight. So that's not, um, you know, I, 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 I began working to try and outpace that perspective a long time ago. But I think also embedded in that combativeness is a want to present the idea that I have been there and am still there, you know, engaged in that dialogue, engaged in that conversation and interested, uh committed to finding a way to um to create a you know to committed to the sort of love that informs that space as well or that 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 creates that space. You're, but you're exactly right. And I, you know, I, I think that um, in some ways there is an impulse in me to play nice. Yes. In that regard, there's an impulse.
1: You're a great diplomat um, for Snow Queens, uh, by the way. <laughs> for
2: me to let folks have, you know, their moment. There were commenters on Facebook whose comments I saw um, you know, um, who, you know, were immediately sort of turned off by the perspective, and I, I did feel a sort of combativeness combative to, to that perspective. of, of want to say, um, you know, you're not what you're not going to do is mm-hmm. you're not going to uh, diminish or um, sort of uh, cordon. My perspective out of what is considered a black black intellectual perspective because I've been there and here are the receipts you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying yeah. so i'm I, I i i you're 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 exactly right to sort of uh um you know like like call me out on that because there there are places it's there's a there's a place in the latter. Uh, Part of the essay, you know, where I'm beginning to sort of address some of my own fatigue with sort of woke culture, uh, if that even is a thing, um, uh, as a sort of, like, old-head millennial, even if I can even consider myself a millennial, uh, but as that sort of person who's just sort of not really interested in... um, um, Confronting, you know, you roll your eyes at me for for being the snow queen, and I roll my eyes back, you know, and 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 it'll just, you know, that's where it'll stand. Um, but I, I, I mean, I think that that conversation is there in the essay, but also sort of surrounding the, that conversation, are other conversations to have for people who are, you know, interested in having a, a different conversation. I very much want to. um, um you know, have 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 a dialogue. I'm interested in. Um, I still am somewhat interested in the idea. You you raise the point of whether or not uh, black white men are available for the object for objectification by, um, by by the black gaze. I mean, I I think that one of the one of the things that's been really interesting to me in uh, in the follow up to the essay is watching the conversation regarding. This book, I Love Dick, uh, by Chris Krause, uh, that is now like the Netflix show uh, about the same title, I Love Dick, and everybody's getting off on on you know sort of the female gaze uh, being directed at it on the TV show. It's a character played by Kevin Bacon. Uh, in the book, uh, Dick is a, a British cultural critic, and I I remember feeling as a young black gay a similar pressure as Chris Krause as a female, white, you know, money female, um, that whereas I as a black man was always on view uh, and sexualized, I guess, or somewhat fetishized within the culture, I never got to um, look at white, white, straight white male I didn't have the same permission, or I didn't have the same um um sort of history of a sort of especially not a black gay subjectivity looking back at a straight white guy and saying, Well, these are the things that I'm interested in about you and fetishizing those things and, you know, just being aware of also um um you know naming those things as straight white things, you know what I'm saying? Naming, and that I think is, 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 is is crucial for me. So, I mean, there are, there are ways in which I look at, uh, you know, Chris Krause's book and, and think to myself, go ahead, girl, because, you know, it's, it's very similar to the sort of political project that I, I imagined for myself. I don't know whether or not, um, that still is very salient to the culture, but at least in, like, 2002, 2003, uh, I wasn't looking at Heath Ledger and, and Jake Gyllenhaal and Brokeback Mountain as um, gay men uh, or men. I was looking at them as straight white men, and, and and to be able to look at a person and to be able to, like, name their body and the things about their body that um, um, connected them to certain identities and histories and, and and systems of power, to me, felt really radical. But
1: Well, I will say that, you know, in the era of mm-hmm. Black Boy Joy and Black Lives Matter and this sort of uh, reclaiming mm-hmm. of blackness, it is mm-hmm. uh, provocative to carve out this political and intellectual position as a black bottom (laughs) um, Mm -hmm, so to speak mm -hmm, um, that desires mm -hmm. white men um, that goes, you know, that's sort of very, that descends from, you know, much of, much of the culture that, you know, cause I mean, and and I kind of wonder, so we're in this area, this, this, I mean, blackness has always been under attack, but I think that through social media, it's a heightened consciousness of it. (laughs) So I think many of us are kind of, I think it makes us even more inclined to sort of stick with community Um, Which brings me to this interesting point you make um, that I want to sort of read an excerpt from your piece about where you say um, whatever else this memory can tell me, it indicates how important and pain my connection to family and community have been. I later learned to do my community the favor of withholding my sexuality, performing this chivalrous act for straight Black women on the watch for D.L. Bamboozling by keeping my desire quarantined to white guys, by tamping down the prepubescent crushes for husbands and uncles and dads in my neighborhood or my church I was maintaining community for me for some time self-denial and love of community were one and the same I want to forget that history but the body takes longer and it's forgetting I think the early strategies I derived for pleasure or to avoid pain and shame still determine my affections so I just found that piece really interesting where in some ways you see your desire for white men is sort of being protective of community could you say a little bit more about that
2: yeah I certainly can i mean i I think that that's that's a, a, a it's an idea that has always sort of floated uh in my mind but this gave me the opportunity to articulate it in a unique way um i you know i spent a lot of time in in black community you know in fact in fact it it, it kind of runs counter to the desire, because I don't really end up in a lot of um I don't really end up in a lot of spaces where that desire can actually be exercised, uh, which may be a part of some of the the you know lament, I guess, that sort of reverberates throughout the, the essay. But yes, I I remember I, I I I allowed my 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 own body to, or I was complicit in the sort of police, gender policing that. Uh, and sort of subtly exerted throughout any um, American uh, community at that time—the late '80s, early '90s, on until the late later '90s, uh, and then the early on. Um, no, no, there were no 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 gay men, no visibly or uh, no out gay men uh, in in my immediate community and the community that I was a part of. Which was loving and which was uh, supportive and which uh, you know still is a source of support in my life uh, right now as we sort of grow and come to know one another more fully. Uh, I want I was I felt myself a a, a a a a champion of that community or a sort of knight of that community and I wanted in some way I think that a part of my um, that gender policing, that sort of sexuality policing, subtle, uh, but that is exerted within, uh, was exerted within my black community, at least in my opinion. Um, I was complicit in that by, you know, saying, okay, I am not going to um, sort of uh, defy, uh this community with my sort of more illicit desire, or I'm not going to burden this community that's already sort of imperiled in so many other ways with um, you know um, you know become I mean there's always been so much talk about like the 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 plots against the black family and you know, if if my desire has been sort of working against um um that that family structure, that family dynamic as well. And I think that before you sort of get to a liberated space where you understand, um, you know, different possibilities for, um, you know, gay bodies that don't in any way have to be the enemy of a, uh, family project. Uh, I, I saw my, my desire as the enemy of, uh, those dynamics and structures and, and unfortunately was not educated uh, to the counter. Uh, and so um, uh, that that became a part of my understanding of my, my identity as a good member of that community, somebody that never sort of, you know, you may be able to tell about me. I may have certain tales within my behavior, but I'm never going to, inconvenience the community with having to, like, um, um, you know, take ownership of my my gayness or I'm never going to inconvenience the community by, um, you know, imposing um, my sort of erotic gaze on, you know, somebody who would not necessarily be comfortable with being the, the sort of object of their gaze. and. Yeah, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways it 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 determined it warped my my attitude uh, towards that community again because I spent so much time there, but it really was my only community. Um, that you know, I I I think in some ways I I, I trained myself out of um, objectifying black men um, because I I didn't want to be a, I didn't want to be a bad black man what, you know, what I began to do is, you know, I I, I looked for sort of um, places in the dark that I could sort of, I could direct that desire. And for me, most oftentimes that meant, um, you know, white people in other communities, white kids that I saw at school, um, you know, like white bodies that I saw on television or in film. Um, and in that way, I was always able to sort of, you know, keep my community sacrosanct and sort
1: of safe uh, from me. There's this amazing line where you talk about miscegenation and race fatigue um, where you say, um, and and this is in conversation with your sister, where you say, there were things I'd only began to tell her about how my miscegenation fantasies had helped me accept the act of bottoming, the idea of racial subjugation seeming to match my preferred sex positions, that wanting a white guy to blow my back out, made sense to my body, which long for my mind to be free of race fatigue. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: I sure can. I'm particularly proud of that blow my back out uh, <laughs> phrase there. That's a part of my phraseology is, a, is a, if I'm beginning to form some black black bottom I, I, identity, um, I'm, I'm just glad to be able to mine that language and pull it. <laughs> into this sort of discussion but it sounds like um, a power bottom <laughs> of
1: course. i'm sorry sounds like a, a, a power bottom move
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean like i think that um you know bottoming for me was very or just the idea of of being a sort of passive partner in a sexual dynamic Was was difficult for me to reconcile having grown up with the sort of gender identity, gender construct that I sort of um, taken on um, by being a part of um, this culture, and so um, I think that for me there there was a logical connection between the sort of Power abdication that I saw happening in my, um, in the ways that I thought about race um, and um, the ways that I was beginning to think about uh, sexuality. And so um, I guess those sort of illicit rumors you hear about like slave masters and, you know, slaves and sort of that being the reason that black men are so homophobic, that there's this sort of this, uh, this, um, this generational memory of the sort of trauma of um, sort of uh, being subject to somebody else's power, like all of that language was already in me and in my mind, and those are histories that I'd already been given and sort of been implanted, had been implanted in me. And so I think that when I began to think about the idea of getting fucked, and, you know, like, what that would mean? How do I sort of, you know, get up from the bed, literally feeling feeling like I still have some dignity? Uh, how do you sort of leave that space with with dignity and, and feeling empowered and feeling enlivened and actually enjoying this experience that you're fantasizing about? Um, but for me to be able to do that, um, is that the The idea of being a comfortable bottom and just began to sort of like join uh the sort of race ideas that I'd already sort of taken in from the culture you know and i I mean I think that's a part of the kink of it. I know that 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 sort of moves into a place that feels weird and somewhat kind of um um you know, almost like suicidal in a way, but there, I don't know. There's there's this really interesting uh, essay that I read around this time as well uh, by Leo Bersani. I'm sure you've read it, Charles, Cook, called "Is the of the Grave." grave yeah. Um, yeah. That sort of thinks through just the larger culture's connections between homosexuality and sort of the suicidal impulse, and how uh, you know that sort of the 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 Appeal of that kind of ecstasy, the kind of ecstasy that is like self-immolating, the ecstasy, the ecstasy that is, is ruinous to one's own body, and, and sort of um, desiring that anyway. That that made sense to me as a racial subject. Does that, I'm hoping that this is <laughs> this is this is adding some clarity to um, what I said in the essay.
1: Absolutely. Um, and just okay uh one okay. final one final question i know time is uh oh, cool. <laughs> wrapping up uh yeah. so you talked about and in the essay uh, you spelled this out too a bit this sort of um you still see mm-hmm. your project in many ways i mean it's not just about desiring whiteness mm-hmm. but I, I, it, it it seems that you still see yourself as, as a writer as someone that has this platform to also uh, dissent from racism that to also um you know you don't it you you obviously don't see yourself as being complicit in racism, right? You still see your role as being. I think you use language right, like subversive right, and so right. forth. But I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about how do you see your role as a as a writer, as a black writer, as a black gay male yeah. writer, um, is also to be to you know to also um, you know, to fight racism, to fight anti blackness. Like well, how does that? Be how does Engaged that,
2: in a liberation project.
1: Yeah, how does that um, figure I, into your project?
2: I uh, being a writer is difficult in that regard. I just think in general, uh, working as a writer, and I guess some people would say as an artist, but for me that that sort of identity is shaped through writing. But being a writer and not being able to hold on to a lot of the sort of pieties or the sort of established wisdoms that would make you um, more easily managed more easily more digestible within a sort of uh, broader audience if I'm doing my work as a writer I don't. I'm never really afforded those privileges and I know you know I, I console myself by reading you know black writers throughout time have said the same thing you know that it is a very dangerous and difficult uh, position to take up the, you know as Bolin said the price of the ticket it, it isn't cheap you know it's not you don't you don't get to uh, sort of enjoy the uh, affection of everybody because you know the, the the things that you are coming to are still in process and they are not easily won and they require work from anybody who sort of wants to glean, Uh, any value from them so I think that it is a very difficult uh, place to be both as a black black person uh, who is very much interested in seeing black communities thrive Um, um, because it means that there's more work that I have to do you know it's hard um, when I just want to when I just want to um, share that article that says that really good pithy line about white supremacy uh, and let that be it. You know what I'm saying? But if you're really doing the work as a writer uh, and maybe as an artist by extension, then you are maybe more critical of that and maybe more um, susceptible to uh, parts of uh, messages or Stimuli from the culture that would be more easily blocked if you were not that person, and so I, I know um, what that means and has meant. Uh, I know what that has meant in my life, um, but yeah, I, I I feel like more than anything, I am interested in uh, continuing uh, a tradition. Of, uh, you know, uh, black 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 people who weren't necessarily saying comfortable things, but I think tried to, you know, hold to this idea that they they had um, the interest of, of 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 liberating themselves and others as their central mission, and you know I don't even know if I if I if I liberate if I can think about it in terms of liberating somebody else. I feel like there's so much, you know, stuff. That I, there's so much stuff that I'm trying to unpack just about my lived experience as a, as a black gay man, all identities that I, I accept and wear and, you know, take with me out into the world. Um, but just in trying to do that honestly and, and with courage, Is a is a tall order, but you know you keep keep doing the work, and you know you find friends out there, which is (laughs) which is nice, right?
1: I'm sorry, I have one more final final question. Uh, What has been the response of white men to -hmm. your piece? Um,
2: Right, right, (laughs) great
1: question. Um,
2: so one of the responses that I was interested in, and maybe this is this is problematic, uh, so I still need to, like, think about this. Um, I and was, I was curious what the response would be, particularly from straight white guys who mm-hmm. had been in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like I said, I've been working through this kind of, these ideas for, like, six years on this novel project, but when you're working on a novel project, nobody's really exposed to, uh, the material, and so um i haven't they haven't really encountered this perspective from me, and so it was a i guess it was kind of abrupt to know that uh men who might feel like I was talking about my gaze was had been trained upon them for a long time were now becoming aware of the ways in which i had I had been looking and maybe thinking about metabolizing uh uh then. And so it has been mixed and interesting. I would I would say that I'm not surprised though. I think that I have encountered a lot of straight white guys who um if not defensive uh then you know take up a sort of wariness of the whole, um you know engaging the text, engaging uh uh this particular project with me, um, you know, I you know, I, I think that it 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 becomes the response that I anticipated, which is that straight white guys are not comfortable being being made into uh or being regarded as anything other than uh invisible in my history. And so to have something or someone out there like actually gesturing toward them, indicating them and saying, no, I'm looking at you and have been doing so for a while I think is a kind of uncomfortable position uh, for them to be in. I mean, you know, some of my, my friends have been, my straight white friends have been, you know, it's like, oh, you know, cool, like let's, you know, let's engage this, let's talk about this. Um, but they, they. If I if I think about them as a group, they were probably less um, vocal about their thoughts or ideas about the piece um, than my black black friends, readers, audience out there, which is usually the the place that I end up anyway. Like I feel like it, there's nothing sort of new. I I guess I kind of feel like even though this this piece is is pointing at straight white guys it's really the audience of it are black people or the audience is black people and so uh that i think is 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 fascinating to me you know i don't know (laughs) it sort of confirms something that I, i i i felt like i i'd always know
1: and the and the confirmation is what
2: Uh, The confirmation oh, the confirmation is that um, that there is a power um, to um, to be sort of taken up in um, claiming um, my, my right to have a gaze like claiming my right to both be looking at a subject but to also claim the authority of um, defining what that subject is and how that subject sees itself. I think that uh, one of the, the things most unusual to white people is being whitened to to all of a sudden have to carry a racial identity where before they sort of operated as, uh, in a neutral space or as de-waste. I think once I, as a black gay man, um, with, you know, what, whatever timing, um, voice or resonance I have, um, begin to take the authority of defining, um, uh, be um, the object of my gaze and saying that I am looking at straight white white people then that becomes um, un, 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 un un unmined territory for a lot of a lot of white folks out there. And I'm I'm curious is what that power potentially could mean.
1: Well, I want to thank you again for joining us, uh, Frederick, in this conversation. It's definitely given <laughs> me a lot to you, think about. Jones,
2: I really, really appreciate the opportunity, man.
1: Cool. And cool. is there any final, final things you want to say, or just a final note, or anything you want to plug? Or... Um,
2: <laughs> I guess I just want to encourage folk, uh, if they have not sort of come to the essay, or um, if they are returning to the essay, or if they may have sort of Rebuffed uh, previously, but are sort of giving it a second look. Uh, direct if you if you if you have to direct your ire somewhere, direct that ire at me, and maybe go to the text and just use this as a a um, a reference list, uh, a book of writer, other writers and artists to go back and explore and think about in relation to one another. Because I think that there are a lot of interesting departure points whether it be Chris Kraus and I Love Dick or Bill Bersone's Is the wreck of a Grave or uh, Sam Delaney's uh, Mad Men and uh, Emotional Light and Water. I think there are so many interesting texts that we talk about here and that are sort of mentioned in the essay that um, would, um, would complicate folks' ideas about power and... Um, um, claiming the power of, of having a desire and speaking that desire out in public in a really life-affirming way. So I guess that, that, that's what I would, would add just in, in, in
1: closing. All right. Thank you.
0: That was the Counter Narrative Project founder and executive director Charles Stevens having a conversation with journalist Frederick McKendra. Mr. McKendra wrote a piece for BuzzFeed entitled Does Desiring White Guys Make Me a Traitor to My Race? You can find out more information on Counterpoint by visiting us on visiting us online at thecounternarrative.org, or you can follow us on Twitter at Building Desire. Thank you for listening to Counterpoint.